Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jeff Newbarth. Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast. It's fun to be back in the office a little bit, right? Jeff Newbarth here with Jacob Davidson. That's not your office. You are on the road, and uh, no offense because I do like talking to you when you're at home and everything, but I'm glad golf is back. I'm glad you're back on the road. What a week it's been so far, right? Yeah, uh, it's awesome to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I am uh, just shot back from uh, Colonial Country Club here to the Fairfield Inn and uh, you know, ha- wrapped up a, a nice hot day here at uh, Fort Worth, Texas at Colonial, and we are excited to be back. The PGA team is, uh, you know, we can't, can't – really begin to, you know, think about how long it took for this day to come for us to get back. So we're excited. Yeah. And obviously, look, this is a crazy time for all of us. Uh, certainly nothing to do with the golf. Uh, and, and look, we're hoping you can uh, learn a little bit here. Jacob manages our PGA Tour team here at Callaway Golf. So we're going to kind of get him to break down his weekly job, learn some of the differences uh, as to what COVID has brought in terms of how they can work with the players because things have changed pretty differently. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, the main thing is we want to answer your questions. So Jen, Josh, and Matt are in the background looking at Facebook. They're looking at Periscope, uh, which hits Twitter, and also YouTube. So if you have questions, send them to us and we will ask Jacob your questions. So first, Jacob, take us through a typical week of what it would be like for you managing uh, Callaway's PGA Tour team. And then as you're doing that, tell us what the differences have been because of uh, the COVID-19 restrictions. Sure, sure. So each week, um, actually right now, we're starting to look at next week's field. So kind of, Jeff, what happens is, um, as you may know, is, you know, the tour, the guys have until Friday at five o'clock to commit to to the event. And so we're kind of monitoring that list and, you know, looking at who's going to be playing, starting to prepare, ordering in soft goods or clubs for next week. Um, and then from there, you know, we start looking and, and what needs they may have. So um, this one was a big week, obviously, because we got 28 staffers in the field and we hadn't seen them in 12 weeks. So, you know, every guy needed something this week, pretty much, whether that's, you know, lies, lofts, uh, regripping, maybe some club work, um, those types of things. So, you know, we, we kind of start a list um, about two weeks out. We sent some players, you know, a text message, let them know it was going to be busy, be proactive. And, um, you know, we got an overwhelming response. And so when we showed up on uh, Sunday, we actually, you know, worked for about six hours to kind of get ahead just because we were so far behind. So um, for us, it's, you know, we're looking at the field. We're, um, you know, figuring out which guys need driver work, which guys, you know, may need some putters. You know, Joe Toulon does a, a great job with our putters. So, you know, those guys are, you know, guys that switched out. We're following putter stats, um, you know, strokes gained on the putting green. Was there someone that putted bad? Should we send them a text? Um, you know, driver following shot link. You know, we use a lot of analytics to follow all that stuff. So, you know, we're always kind of, you know, as Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are going, you know, we're planning for the following week. So this week was a little bit different because we didn't, we haven't seen these guys in, in, you know, a couple of months. So for us, we didn't really know what we were getting into. So um, for the most part, lots of phone conversations, lots of, uh, you know, Zoom meetings, FaceTiming. And then obviously this week with, um, you know, the, the procedures that the tour put in as, as far as we're not able to, you know, physically hand a club to a player. It has to go through what they call a sanitation station where the club is um, sanitized by some volunteers and then they give it to the players. It's been challenging, but, you know, we've done a, a great job of working through that. Um, you know, Johnny Thompson and, and Joe Toulon are at home 
kind of working virtually, um, you know, talking to guys, putting in orders, we're building them on the truck, we're running them to the sanitation station. If uh, something needs to be adjusted, it's got to go back to the sanitation station, back to the truck, we clean it, we work on it, we clean it, it leaves the truck back to the sanitation to the player. So, um, you know, things are taking a little bit longer than normal, but, you know, by all means, uh, we'll take it because we're back out here and, you know, safety's first, so. Can you say sanitation station five times fast? No, absolutely not. But I think we've said it probably 500 times this week. So Yeah, uh, that's crazy. So talk to me. You talked a little bit about uh, before we started with Matt Wallace working on, on a three-wood. So normally when you guys would work with a player on a particular club, you'd go to the range, you'd watch them hit it, you'd have a track man, you'd look at numbers, you'd literally take the club from their hands, tweak it, hand it back to them. But this is different. So, so use Matt Wallace's three wood as an example uh, as to how the new kind of world is working for you guys. Yeah. So, so Matt is just a, you know, we've loved having him on our staff. He, he, he's like a 13 year old kid, you know, in a grown man's body, he gets so excited about golf clubs. And so just kind of last week he was texting us and he said, Hey, my bag is perfect. I'm ready to go. I just want to do a little bit of tweaking with my three wood. And so um, he's living down in Jupiter now and uh, Mike Soroka lives down there. And so, you know, Mike Soroka manages our corn fairy tour. So he ran down actually a, a three wood to him. It wasn't the right shaft, but it was ahead and said, Hey, take a look at this just cause we wanted to get a head start. So we started that process on Friday. We, we texted with him, you know, all throughout the weekend and uh, you know, kind of dialed him in. He switched over from the sub zero head to the standard head. And uh, so we, I told him, I said, we'll get to the truck. We'll start it on Sunday. We'll have it ready for you first thing Monday morning. And um, as you know, Sunday afternoon comes around, he, he's texting us. Can you send me a picture of my three wood? Can you send me a picture of my three wood? I'm like, you know, Matt, we haven't got to it yet. I'll send it to you. So the, it, he's so excited to be back out here. And so we built him up a three wood. We, you know, dropped it off at the sanitation station on, on Monday and kind of communicated from inside the ropes and outside the ropes. He said, okay, looks good. Let me go hit some. And then what he did is he actually just kind of shared the track man numbers with us on our phone. You know, Hey, it's spinning a little bit too high. Can we take a little bit loft off to reduce the spin? So, um, you know, we ran it back through the sanitation station, the sanitation station, the sanitation station. I can't tell. Uh, we, we, we ran it through there and, uh, you know, bend it and it ended up being perfect. And so he's ready to go with it. So those are some All of the right, challenges well, that we've had. We got our first question on Facebook. This name looks vaguely familiar. Penny, I think it's Peg, Peg Mutzel. Um, <laughs> hi, Jeff and Jacob. Hi, Penny. How does this new job differ, differ from his previous job at Cali? This is a multi-part question. So let's start with that one. Uh, why don't you tell people what you did before managing the PGA Tour? Yeah, so prior before managing the PGA Tour, I started last year at the RSM uh, back in November, which was the week before Thanksgiving. But I did um, all of our junior development um, on the amateur side. So, um, you know, I've spent the last four years working with the top elite amateurs across the country, which is something that, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed. And so some of the challenges are, um, you know, when I worked on that side, I traveled by myself. Um, on this side, you know, obviously we're traveling with a, with a team, which is a lot more fun, you know, having guys working on that team environment makes it a lot of fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, elite golfers are elite golfers and, and, you know, with, with the PGA Tour guys, um, believe it or not, there's a lot of similarities to them with the amateurs. It's just, uh, you know, you're used to seeing them on TV and, and they're playing for, for money. So, um, but they're all been super nice. We're, you know, we've enjoyed working together and I look forward to working with them some more. And, and before that, though, you were a college golf coach. I think that's maybe what Penny was. I don't know what Penny's. I, you know what? I've learned never to try to predict what Penny's trying to say because I get in trouble with that. But uh, and she's always right. But, you know, you, you were a college golf coach. 
and and learning how to build a team and learning how to how to take you know young young players and and get them to a learn the importance of school and graduating uh, and excellence on on the golf course. How did that help you in in your? How does that help you in your current job now? Sure, I think you know ultimately um, you know we kind of look at the PGA Tour as you know kind of a team and the fact that each player around them kind of has so many different people that are on their performance team. You know, there could be a caddy. Oh, there could be oh, the a, lights went out here. Apparently, we paid the power bills around here. There could be what a happens caddy. when no one's in the office. <laughs> there could be a swing coach, a sports psychologist, a caddy, a wife. You know, all those different types of people that are you know. Um, providing influence on them. And so we're working with them, we're communicating. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned, Jeff, is um, you got to communicate differently. I got to communicate differently than Matt Wallace, than how I communicate differently than Patrick Rogers. And so really learning their personalities. And some guys, you know, they want to laugh, they want to, you know, be goofy and cut up with them. And uh, Matt Wallace is one of those guys, you know, we, we like to poke each other and have fun. And you know, um, there's certain other guys on the staff that are that are all business. And when, when they get to Colonial, that's their job. And they have a very structured routine. And, you know, unless they ask for help, we don't bother them. Some guys, you know, want to go hang out with them or grab dinner at night, those types of things. So I think that's probably been the biggest key is, is how do you, you know, communicate with that person based on their personality. Yeah. And I think uh, also being a new dad helps too, because you got to <laughs> learn how to communicate then. Um, that's, that's how old your daughter now? She is uh, a little over three months and uh, I am enjoying the nice long night's sleep the last two nights here on the road. I would think, I would think you're changing diapers. You're you're, you're the only one like, yes, I'll get on a plane. I have no (laughs) issues flying. I just want to sleep for three, four nights in a row than get home because when you get home, you're going to have a lot of work to do when you get there. Oh yes. I can't wait. That's the fun work. That's the fun work. All right. Uh, Let's talk about some product testing. I think it's always cool. Um, You know, look, everyone who's, who's listening and watching this podcast knows Callaway likes to come out with lots of products and Mm -hmm. we don't put them out until we think they're better, but the ultimate test of better is, is in your hands when you have to take them out to the best players in the world. Um, I hear there's maybe been a little bit of product testing going on this week. So let's, let's break a little news. Sure, sure. So one of the things that we've done through, you know, COVID-19 is, is we've taken a lot of the feedback that we got early on from Maverick with the PGA Tour guys, the Corn Ferry guys, the LPGA and the champions. And, and so we've spent the last couple months really digging into that and, and working and collaborating with R&D and, you know, Evan Gibbs and um, Doc, you know, Alan Hocknell and, and Tim Reed and um, Dean has done a good job with that. And so we've had so many Zoom calls and conference calls. And, and so um, through that, you know, uh, fortunately for us is we were able to have some prototypes out this year, um, this week, I should say that, you know, we've had some guys test the last two days um, and, and we've seen good results from them. And that really, you know, just kind of in our mind helps check the boxes if we need to make any, you know, fine tune um, you know, changes to the club, but, you know, we're getting them on track, man, trying to get some numbers. And, and ideally for us is, you know, we want tour feedback because, you know, tour helps lead the design of our, our driver family. So. All right. There you hear breaking news first, some new prototypes yeah. being tested this week by Jacob and the PGA tour team. More to come on that. All right. Our next uh, from Mike Carp. Uh, Mike's more of a statement here than a question. Loving the jaws raw finished. He ordered some and they arrived today. Jacob, you got to be very careful with how you answer this question because your boss has just walked into the office. He's more than six feet away. So we're doing this right, but we're live, Tim, Jacob doing the podcast. Oh, he's listening to us. All right. Well, make sure you answer this one properly. Uh, Let's talk about this tour only idea to retail and about a raw wedge. Can you just explain why tour pros love raw wedges? 
Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately for a tour pro, when, when they're hitting a bunker shot and they open up the face, if the sun, you know, is above them, there can be a big glare on the wedge and their eyes in the bunker. So I think that, you know, part of it is, you know, having that raw finish where it's not so shiny um, allows the players not to have to worry about the glare. Um, secondly, you know, I think there's a little bit more spin with the raw um and and then finally i think that it just kind of hides any wear tear on there you know when you get the fresh chrome ones you know and you hit a bunker shot it, it kind of shows a little bit of the nick and scratches so um the raws look really good and uh you know they've been great matt wallace just got a new set of them and uh actually last week and he texted me and he said jacob these aren't raw they, they look brand new and i said matt give them a couple days they're gonna rust and, and so now they are they're looking great and, and he likes them so yeah i think it's interesting whenever we have roger Cleveland on. He's always saying you should replace your wedges probably more often than you think you do. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to do it is, is take advantage of some of these tour offerings and take advantage of the raw wedge because right away you're going to notice that difference in, in terms of how, how, like you said, whether it's the sun. I mean, my advice is just don't hit it in bunkers. Then you don't have to worry about the reflection. But just the spin profile on these things are amazing. And uh, I'm glad to see so many people uh, have been ordering on CallawayGolf.com selling quite yeah. a bit of those wedges. They, they are very popular um, on PGA Tour for sure, Jeff. Yeah, well, if it's, it works for those guys, it should go in your bag at home, too. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to put some in my bag. Not that it would matter as bad as I'm swinging. Um, that's another story. Um, so talk about the rest of the week. So on a normal week, you guys get in on Sunday. You start Monday morning with kind of a team meeting. You have your goals and objectives of the week. Mm -hmm. As you said, you have your player list, your targets, what you're, you're looking to do. Obviously, you deal with players, you know, who need, you know, whether it's full adjustments, last-second adjustments, travel issues, who knows mm -hmm. what. Uh, but then you kind of get to the end of the week. And, and you guys get out of there on Wednesday. So what's the end of the week like as you kind of are trying to put a wrap on a week and make sure that the goals for the week are accomplished? Sure. So on, on Wednesday, um, you know, we're supposed to be off property just after lunchtime. The trucks start packing up and, and we head to the airport. So, you know, any final things that we need with players, a lot of players uh, procrastinate, wait till the last second and, and want some things, some last minute changes. They know when the trucks leave. So it's always a little bit hectic getting out of there and, and we rush off to the airport. And, and then from there, you know, we spend, you know, kind of the flights going back through all the club builds that we've done, trying to update, you know, all the specs um, and what we call the playbook just to try to you know keep tabs and then obviously when um you know we see what goes in play there's a thing called the daryl survey i'm not sure if most people know what that is but it actually comes out on on friday afternoon and lets us know you know whatever whatever all the clubs that were played and if there's been any changes we'll update our files we'll reach out to the players let them know you know hey how did it go is there you know did you like it give us some feedback that type of thing and plan for next week so and then thursday is just kind of um conference calls kind of going over the week setting the goals and milestones for um the following week and, and on into friday all right i'm going to put you to the test to help our buddy donald mcknight here he's on facebook he said he had shoulder surgery and now after i can't have my driver in the air well that could be a product of the shoulder surgery i tried changing lofts on it i have the sub-zero epic with the fujikura green stuff shaft any recommendations on what to try shafts wise on the Maverick, what, I mean, what would you say to, to Donald as he's trying to figure out how to get this thing in the air? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that Fujikura shaft's a great shaft. If he's got it on um, N plus two, make sure the white lines are lining up on, on the cog setting. Um, and then from there, you know, I would definitely check his ball position, make sure he's getting it up there off that left foot, getting a good turn behind it. But, uh, you know, being that if it's a, a 10 and a half head with 12 and a half loft, um, you know, with that ball position, it should be launching because that's a, a, a pretty high launch shaft there. 
Yeah, and I would say swing harder because if you if if you swing harder, you may actually get one in the yard. Here's another one. Thp thirty eight on Twitter wants to say the PGA Tour is back. Yes, it is. How often should you replace your putter? Well, I'm going to give my answer after after you give yours. How often should amateurs be replacing their putters? And then why don't you relate it to to the day job and talk about what tour pros do? You know, it's it's a mix. There's guys out here that change putters every week. There's guys, um, you know a specific player that is not on our staff, so I won't use his name, but um, he actually just sent in um, five of the exact same model putter that he wanted us to refinish. Um, this, this certain guy is, has won multiple times with this putter and he can't go away from it. So, you know, there's guys out there like that, that they fall in love with the putter and, and they don't change it. Sometimes they'll move into the new inserts, um, you know, or the stroke lab shaft. That's been, you know, some change for us. Joe's done a great job with that on, you know, guys that were, in a, maybe an older model but they've seen the benefits of the stroke lab shaft so i would i would say if you're putting good don't mess with anything um you know if, if you're struggling i think that you know most of the time what we see is a lot of times it comes from alignment and i think you know with our, our triple track offering um that's been exceptionally well received on tour and the mallets that we have the mallet line is really we've seen a lot of progress with that helping guys so so my my motto is it's not my fault so if I putt bad, new putter going in. Yeah. But the Stroke Lab, Stroke Lab Atlanta, it was the only thing that kind of was doing well this weekend was the, uh, the Stroke Lab Atlanta. But I'm looking to redeem myself on Friday because Saturday was a bad, bad day when you're, when you're four down after five holes. It's not exactly going to be a fun one. All right. Uh, and it wasn't because of anything. It was all me when you hit it out of bounds a lot. Uh, Mike Carp, another question. Are players on tour starting to look at driver four-wood rather than driver three-wood? Is Brennan Grace still using a four-wood? Uh, Matthew Wallace, that we were using a forward oh, with him, actually. It's the Matthew Wallace show. Yeah, it's you the Matthew Wallace that. show. So um, I, I definitely think that there's going to be a little bit more movement towards the forwards. I think that, you know, especially with us implementing jailbreak, we've seen some increased ball speeds across the face. So, um, you know, it's that that's a trend that we've definitely noticed. We've talked about that in our meetings with our Metal Woods, and, you know, we're looking at some of that stuff for next year's line. And why, why do you think a four-wood would be more beneficial for both tour pros and also for amateurs who are listening at home? Well, I think the majority of, of, of players, you know, especially the amateur players, a little more loft's going to help them. It's going to help them from the fairway when they're going through that par five and two. And, and then, you know, a three-wood or a four-wood, you know, most times you're trying to hit a specific number uh, more so than trying to hit it, you know, as far as you can. So, you know, whether that's, you know, hitting it off a, a shorter hole that's tighter or, you know, trying to stay short of water or a hazard or something like that, you know, you want to make sure that you hit that, that number. And, and so that's kind of what we're always trying to do is hit a specific number with these guys. Yeah, I think that's something that that amateurs don't understand until you're around the pro game is they're not looking for their seven iron to go, you know, longer and longer each iteration. They just want it to be the exact same every single time they swing it. What's it like trying to fit people for consistency when, you know, for, for most of us, speaking as an amateur, um, that we want to be fit more for, for distance? Sure, sure. I think, you know, the tough part and challenge of our job is the analogy that I've kind of used before. And I think maybe even Tim used it uh, one time before and I stole it from him is, you know, we're kind of a, a conductor in an orchestra. Um, you know, there, there's 14 clubs in that bag and there's a golf ball and they each have a specific role. And, you know, if you change one, um, you know, it could affect the others. So, you know, we're constantly trying to monitor the, the driver and the irons and, you know, launch and spin and make sure they're all hitting their numbers. And that's really where our job 
is, is if they make a swing change with their swing instructor and, and maybe, you know, their attack angle has changed, which has brought spin down, you know, we can easily adjust that with the driver right away. But, you know, what does that do with the irons? Um, you know, do we need to change the lofts? Do we need to change the lies? Do we need to look at different shafts? Um, you know, the grooves are getting worn off. Um, maybe the, the ball's not spinning enough um, because their irons are worn out. So simple things like that, that you know, we got to be proactive. We got to communicate with their team and, and make sure that everyone is kind of, you know, working in unison. And when that happens, you know, it's just like a, an orchestra, you know, you get that, that beautiful piece of music and, and, you know, hopefully for us, that's when guys are, you know, in the final group and lifting the trophy on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So a couple more questions for you with Jacob Davidson, who manages our PGA tour team here for team Callaway. Um, he is at colonial right now and you'll be at, uh, you'll be at Hilton head next week. That's almost a home game for you. Yes, it is. I live just across the river in Savannah. So a 45 minute drive, looking forward to it. And, uh, what we call the low country, uh, yeah. there. so we're excited about that. Harbor town's one of the best golf courses on tour all year. So. Yeah, it'll be fun to see, uh, you know, shot shaping really kind of, come back into golf uh, really these first two weeks, right? With Colonial, such a shot mm -hmm. makers golf course, and then followed by Harbortown. How much does the golf course impact what your week is like? Meaning when, when you see players, I mean, a lot of, you know, places like Colonial and Harbortown have been in the rotation for years. You've not a lot of players maybe mm -hmm. playing them that haven't in the past, but how much does the golf course change your week in terms of the players needs? Yeah, absolutely a lot. Matt Neesmith, for instance, today, you know, was saying, hey, I, I want to wedge with a little more bounce. So we've been working with him uh, based on the lies around Colonial. Um, you know, we built up a different three-wood for Jim Furyk. And, and believe it or not, Jim Furyk said, hey, I, I want a three-wood that just goes a little bit shorter. I'm not going to use it for this week. The, the three-wood that I have is, is perfect because I'm going to be hitting it more out here. But, you know, he's starting to, to plan for, you know, other events to have that backup. So a guy like that, you know, he may have a three or four wood that he puts in the bag based on the course setup, um, you know, tons with, with wedges or, or around the greens. And, um, you know, so we, we do see that more so, um, especially early in the year when you go from the West Coast down to the East Coast, the wind starts changing, the weather starts changing, those types of things. Um, but, you know, when it's, when it's hot like this, guys get, you know, pretty much into a rhythm and their bodies are working so well. And usually you start seeing them hit it a little bit further. So sometimes we have to take that into account. All right, Steve G, what part of your game needs to be the sharpest to compete at Colonial? Herd accuracy is a key. Well, you heard right, Steve. What do you think after yeah. – uh, have you been able to see the golf course at all or not really? I, I walked a couple holes on the way up to drop off some uh, of Mickelson's golf balls, the triple track golf balls up at the mm -hmm. um, Player Concierge Lounge, and the golf course is in phenomenal shape. The wind was blowing today, um, you know, but this is my first time at Colonial, so I, I don't have a lot of experience to it. So it does look like, I would say, accuracy and then – you know, obviously scores are typically pretty low here. So the putter's got to be pretty hot, um, you know, to shoot some low numbers to compete to win. Yeah. One of my favorite moments uh, working Colonial was I got to work as part of the broadcast team when Annika played. So that yeah. was certainly a highlight for me. But one of the other highlights of this field uh, every year is the past champions that they invite back. And one of those past champions who I believe probably wins the award for most frequent visitor on the truck this week is our buddy Olin Brown. Olin was on our podcast a couple weeks ago yeah. uh, and was on No Laying Up's podcast. If you haven't checked that out, check out the No Laying Up podcast from Monday uh, with Olin. What's it been like seeing Olin out there, 61 years young, out there trying to compete with, uh, you know, the, 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 the youngins? Yeah, so I think – 
he is the oldest person on our staff. So it's the first time I met Olin this week. So, I, you know, I've heard a ton about him. Uh, he's a, a good friend, uh, I mean, family of Callaway, I should say. And so, you know, going up and, and introducing myself to him and, and I asked him, I said, you know, Mr. Mr. Brown, and of course, Olin, you know, don't call me Mr. Brown, but, um, you know, I said, how long have you been with, with Callaway? And I said, uh, I think he said 91 was when he first yep. came on. And, and I, I said, well, that's interesting. I was born in 1987 and, and he didn't like that. So it was, uh, we had a, a lot of fun with that, but uh, Olin's a great guy, you know, I've enjoyed getting to know him. Um, just a, a great advocate for Callaway and um, his old buddy Dean's out this week. And uh, you know, they, Dean's been working on golf clubs for him for a long time. And, and so they're, they're dialing in some stuff and he's worked us pretty hard this week, but I, I think he's ready to go. I mean, he, he seems positive and what a great golf course for him to compete on. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see him go out and, and play well this week. Yeah. I saw him down at, at medalist before the, uh, for the match and he was out there grinding on the range and his mm -hmm. son, uh, Olin Brown Jr. actually yeah. played in a little test for us, an equipment test to see if our stuff worked. And I mean, hits the ball a ton, but what's interesting about Olin uh, senior is he was, I believe, one of the first PGA Tour pros, if not the first, that Mr. Callaway himself signed that and has correct. never left the Callaway family. So uh, just just incredible loyalty has been kind of with the company through the ups and downs, um, but has always been a proponent and, and is a true tinkerer with the golf club and just loves yeah. to try. You talk about Matt Wallace getting excited. I think Olin probably uh, takes the cake at being super excited about new clubs. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's true. And, and that's rare in today's environment to see someone be that loyal and have that type of legacy with a brand. And, and of course, you know, we're very appreciative of that. And, and he's just a, like I said, just a, a great friend and family at Callaway. So. Yeah. All right. All right, Jacob. Well, you have a lot of media work to do. You're going to be on the golf uh, magazine, golf.com podcast tomorrow. Um, I mean, you're just making like a regular media tour. I, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you're going to do, can you do Fallon or, or, you know, kind of one of those shows at night? Oh man, no. sneak it in? No. we've been, uh, we've been busy. So it's been, uh, it, I, I broke away and, and the team, of course, you know, they, they gave me a hard time for leaving yeah. on the I'm, podcast I'm, and I blamed it on you. I said, I wanted to, to go later. And, and so, um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have to say I'm disappointed. I didn't get one text from, from Johnny or Dean or Soroka the whole time. That's because they're working. While we're doing they're, this. They're working. I, I get it. I mean, Tim at least came down here to say hi and make sure that he acknowledged that you were, you, you were doing this. So that's a good thing. They, they, they have not come up for air today. Um, like I said, it, it's, it's been busy and those guys, I, I mean, I can't tell you how proud I am the effort and um, the whole team. And it's been a, it's been fun to see how everything's come together and, and, you know, we're excited about it. We got 28 staffers in the field and um, you know, excited to see golf back on TV and um, hopefully we'll have a Callaway staffer there playing good late on Sunday. Yep. Well, I'm going to be all weekend watching. I can't wait. Tuesday on the Callaway Golf Podcast. That'll be our next one. We, we normally do them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But you know what? This Thursday, enjoy the PGA Tour. They're giving out free PGA Tour Live. So start early. Watch the entire day. There's a Twitter cast with all different personalities. Tell Dean I tried to get him a spot on there. We couldn't quite pull it off. Um, <laughs> but so many great opportunities. So just focus on watching the great PGA Tour golf. We've all missed it for so long. Oh. Um, and then Tuesday is a very special day for us all at Callaway. Uh, Phil is turning 50 and that's 50 with the pH. So we're going to have some members of the Mickelson family on our podcast. I can't tell you who, cause we don't know yet, but, uh, one of them at least has said yes. And I'm sure we'll have many members of, uh, of, of team Phil 
Uh, might even try to get coach to come on for a few minutes, but yeah. um, that is an exciting day for all of us. You guys have anything special planned for, uh, for Phil or you want to just keep that as a surprise? Cause you know, he we, listens since he's been on the podcast, he listens now. We do. We have some things planned for next week. And so, uh, okay. you know, it's, it, we can't officially have him on the truck since, uh, right. you know, the whole COVID things, but um, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to mess with him a little bit and, and poke him, and uh, you know, maybe, tell him how old he is so uh you know maybe there's a 50 on his golf ball when he opens it up in his locker room oh, there you go. i don't That'd know i don't thing. know if he'd appreciate that or not but well i would say this if you're a fan of phil and we know everybody is um pay attention to callaway's social channels this weekend there's going to be an opportunity for you to say happy birthday to phil yourself and uh, potentially uh win some pretty amazing amazing autographed items from lefty himself and maybe even a new club Absolutely. so stay tuned all right jacob thanks so much for uh, yeah. spending a little bit of time with us. Good luck the rest of the week. I know tomorrow will be a little bit of a, a grind before you get out of there, but travel safe, and we look forward to catching up with you soon, and we look forward on Tuesday to having some Nicholsons. We're going to do a full fill podcast on Tuesday. We'll see you then, everyone. Stay safe. See you, Jeff. Thanks.